Welcome to the Urban Church Podcast. If you would like more information about Urban, please visit our website at lifeaturban.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the message. We'll turn your Bibles tonight to Luke chapter 9. We're going to continue our series on carnal Christianity. We started this series about three weeks ago, and uh, looking how this concept of carnal Christianity has crept into the church, and we're going to continue to discuss that tonight, as well as we'll conclude it next, next week. So we're going to go from Luke 9, and then over to Romans chapter 8. Luke chapter 9, Jesus says this in verse 23, it says, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross and then you can come after me. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. Romans 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life, and peace, or to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, two more scriptures found in Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27, verse 6 and verse 17. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend... Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, or deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Verse 17, same chapter, Proverbs 27. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that God, you would speak to each and every person in this place, including myself. God, what it is you want to say tonight. And Lord, we would walk out of this place challenged. God, we walk out of this place encouraged. And we walk out of this place more in love with you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. We started this series uh, three weeks ago, titled Carnal Christianity. We're looking at this concept that many of you have probably heard, carnal Christianity. What does it mean to be a carnal Christian? I'll be honest with you, I don't know. Because when I read my Bible, the Bible makes it very clear that you cannot serve two masters. You cannot be carnally minded and spiritually minded at the same time. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Revelations, you have to either be hot or cold. Because if you're lukewarm, what's he going to do? He's going to vomit you out, he says. I know it's an ugly, ugly analogy, but that's what the Bible says. Okay? The Bible says that if you're not for God, then you are against God. Okay? So we've been looking at this concept of carnal, what, what is carnal Christianity? Carnal Christianity is this mindset that we can kind of live the way we want to live, but as long as we come to church, we're going to be okay. Or as long as we're a, a part of a community of believers, we'll be all right. And the problem with that is it doesn't just start, you know, uh, down here at a lower level. It's not like one day somebody just got up and decided, hey, I think I'm going to develop this thing called carnal Christianity and see how it, you know, takes with the rest of the, you know, community, Okay. It starts higher up and it starts real subtle with things that we allow in our life and not being challenged in our life. And as that happens, then we begin to develop behaviors. And then when people look at the Christian world, when people look at the church, they begin to think that's the church. It's okay for me to do all these things as long as I come on a Sunday or wherever your service is. 
If I do those things, then I must be a Christian. So we've been looking at this concept of carnal Christianity and dealing with it. Definition of carnal, very simple, is this. It's flesh or fleshy. Definition of a Christian is I'm a Christ follower. Put the two together, it doesn't really make sense. I'm a fleshy Christ follower, okay? <laughs> I'm a fleshy. The reason it doesn't make sense is this, because in Luke 9, 23, Jesus said these words. If you desire to come after me, what's that? Christ follower. You desire to come after me. If you desire to be a Christ follower, here's what you got to do. You have to deny yourself and then pick up your cross daily and follow me, okay? He didn't say, hey, guys, if you want to come after me, Man, we're going to have the biggest party ever. Man, everybody's going to love you. Everybody's going to accept you. And you're going to be like the bomb of society. Okay? There would have been like a thousand followers instantly. Are you with me? Okay? He didn't say that. He said, hey, oh, you want to come after me? Here's what you're going to have to do. Okay? You're going to have to deny all of your own desires. Deny your own dreams. Deny your own appetites. Just basically just deny everything about you. That's what you want to do? Okay, no. You know? Deny that. Okay, we're not done yet. And then you're going to have to crucify your flesh. Pick up your cross daily. Okay? What is that? that that's, that's crucifying your flesh. That's crucifying the carnal daily. Why did he say that? Romans 8, 5 and 6. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. See, God knows some things about us that we don't know about ourselves. Are you with me? He knows some things. He knows this, that if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what? All these things, man, get added. The very thing we want, our dream, the very thing we want to pursue and do and, and have fulfilled, what does the Bible say? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Okay? What's the Bible say? Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and it dies... It won't spring forth. Are you with me this morning or tonight? Okay? So what's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying this. Look, you've got to kill the carnal desires. It's impossible to have this thing called carnal Christianity. Okay? Here's the thing is somehow Christianity has become all about us. When the very essence of it is following Christ. But somehow it's become all about us. Sometimes we actually come to church just to feel better about ourselves. We do a daily devotional just to feel better about ourselves. Am I the only one that's ever done that? Okay, let me, let me rephrase it. I do a daily devotional to feel better about myself. I come to church as a pastor sometimes to feel better about myself, okay? Okay? What is that? That's making this, this, this Christ follower thing all about us. And we've missed it. How do we miss it? And we've been looking, about, uh, looking at this. Week one we, discovered, uh, we discussed this, decisions over salvations. And we began to look at the misconception that me becoming a Christ follower is all about me. I decided to follow Christ. No, I'm sorry. You were saved by grace through faith, and that faith wasn't even your own. Okay? Okay? And and so it wasn't just your decision. Okay? It was his decision. We love him because he first loves us. If he didn't love us first, we couldn't love him back. Are you with me? But somehow in the church today, you know, we give an altar call and, and, and we, we paint this picture that, man, if you come to Jesus, decide today to follow Jesus and life will be beautiful. Which it is. <laughs> After you walk through hell from time to time. Okay? 
Last week we talked about this. Last week we talked about how is, how is this concept of carnal Christianity crept into the church? Because we've been, become personality-driven rather than person-driven. We've become so focused on a personality or a church or a structure or, a, or an institution that we can literally ask somebody, oh, you're a Christian, you know? Um, what church? I go to this church. Oh, really? Well, how was, oh, man, last Sunday was so funny. The pastor made me laugh and laugh and laugh. That's awesome. What did he talk about? I don't remember, but I laughed a lot. Okay. Or, you know, oh, man, the band is awesome, you know, man, they're just up there rocking out. Oh, really? Okay, you know, did you enter the presence of God? The presence of who? You know? The one that you're going after, you know? Okay? Oh, it's become so personality. Here's why it becomes personality-driven, because me as the pastor and other pastors, we, we have to fight this thing sometimes. Because we could try to use this platform to push something. But the only thing we should be pushing is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The only thing we should be pushing is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what happens is, is as people come in, they begin to see things and the way things work. And they say, oh, okay, then Christianity is all about me and my dream and my goal and my agenda. Are you with me tonight? Okay. And so we begin to reproduce that. Okay. But we've got to make sure that we stay person-centered. And that person is the person of Jesus Christ. And you can catch that on our website. Tonight I want to talk about this. How has this concept of carnal Christianity crept into the church? Um, it's crept in through being relationship-driven rather than friendship-driven, or surrounding ourselves with relationships more than friendships. Okay? Because we've got into this, this carnal mode, or sometimes it creeps in, and, and everybody wants to feel good about themselves, let's just, let's just be honest. Okay? We don't always feel good about ourselves, but I don't think there's a person in the world that wakes up and says, I just want to be a real downer today. I want to feel horrible about myself all day long. You know, nobody does that. It, it, we all have those days, right? Okay, okay, I have those days every once in a while. But nobody wants, everybody wants to feel good about themselves. And that's why we get in this mode of, I've got to get to church and to appease my conscience or whatever. So we've now painted this picture. So what happens is this, is we surround ourselves with people that accept us the way we are. Now, now let, me, let, me just, let me just get in this a little bit. Okay? As we talk about relationships tonight, okay, there's many relationships you have. You have a relationship with your boss. He's your boss, you're the employer, okay? Or if you go to school, you have a relationship with your teacher, teacher, student, okay? You have a relationship with your neighbor, whether you like to or not, you know, your neighbors, okay? So there's relationships you have, okay? And, and those, those are all great, all right? But as we talk about relationships tonight, relationships accept you for who you are. Friendships that I want to talk about tonight challenge us in who we are. Okay? Big difference. Okay? Now, as you look at Jesus as, as, our, as, our, as the way, the truth, the life, the model, what did he do? Man, he came, you know, to us as yet we were still sinners. Christ died for us. He came to us the way we are, and he died for us. But he did not die for us that we would stay the way we are. Are you with me tonight? He died for us so that we could move on and we could progress and we can move past sin into the very destiny that he has for our lives. And so what happens is, is, yes, he came to us the way we are, but then he changes us, he challenges us, and we go from glory to glory, from faith to faith. Are you with me tonight? Okay? What happens is, is we surround ourselves with people that accept us for the, who we are, the way we are, and we never get challenged. Why? Because we want to feel good about ourselves. Okay? Now let's be honest, Okay? It's never fun when someone comes and challenges you. Okay? 
It's, it's never a fun moment. What does the Bible say, though? The Bible says in Hebrews, who the Lord loves, he chastens. What is that? He's challenging you, okay? He loves you, he challenges you, okay? I've come to realize this, that the people that love me the most are the ones that challenge me the most. Because they actually care about where I'm going. My wife challenges me more than anybody. Because she loves me more than anybody. Okay? I challenge her more than anybody. Why? Because I love her more than anybody else. Okay? And I, I tell people this all the time, you know, they're, um, you know, when they, if, because I challenge people, that's just what I do. I don't know, I'm, I'm a challenging individual. Um, okay? And when I challenge people, though, because they come and they say, man, why are you so hard on me? Because I love you. If I wasn't having this conversation with you, that's when you should be worried. <laughs> I don't give a rip. No, I'm kidding. Are you with me tonight? Okay. We got, we got, and so anyway, so we surround ourselves with relationships. There's an old saying that says this. You show me a man's friends, and I'll show you that man's future or that man's destiny. If you're surrounding yourself with people that just love you all the time and you can never do wrong, they've got you deceived. Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. Deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. As believers, here's what we need to understand. One of three things is going to happen when we encounter people or people encounter us. They're either going to walk away knowing God the same, knowing God less, or knowing God more. And as believers, the ones that are carrying Jesus Christ to this society, to this community, hopefully they're knowing God more. Now, that doesn't always happen from a sit-down conversation, Bible open, let's talk about Jesus. That literally happens as they observe your life, as you converse with them from day-to-day things. They see something different. The Bible says they'll see your good works and they'll glorify your Father who is in heaven. So it's not just because we're talking about the Bible, but we are living the Bible. We become living epistles. Are you with me tonight? Okay, as we live that out, we challenge people and so they can walk away knowing God more. Okay? Let me just use this. I mean, I brought these knives up here, and I'm not going to do like a knife demonstration, Ginsu, you know, <laughs> and chop things up. <laughs> Although it would be pretty cool, okay? <laughs> relationships, okay? These knives, for what it's worth, now, these knives are in relationship together. They're in the same little wooden box. Cooks. <laughs> Had them for 12 years. These are the same ones we had when we got married? No, we threw those ones away. Okay. How long have we had these ones? Too long? See, we're not the kind of people that sharpen our knives. They go dull, we throw them away, we get a new set. Okay? Because I, I didn't know what this thing was for. I was like, babe, what's this thing for? What are you supposed to do with that? You know? Okay. But these knives, they're in relationship together. Well, there they are. They're hanging out. Okay? They're in re- I mean, they could go to church together. Okay? They could go to the party together, whatever. Okay? They could, you know... Whatever it is, they do, okay? They do it together, okay? They're in relationship, okay? But just them being in relationship, nothing's really happening, okay? What's the Bible say? As iron sharpens iron, okay? So a man sharpens another man, or a woman sharpens another woman, okay? That doesn't happen just being in relationship. There's no touching going on here, okay? It's a good thing. They're Christian knives, right? Okay. Okay. There's no, Okay? They're in a relationship, but there's nothing going on, okay? This knife, every time it gets pulled out, I don't know if we use this one that much, actually. We do? Okay. I obviously don't cook at all. 
Or if I do, I just rip things apart. And, okay. Anyway, I don't know. This knife, every time I take it out and use it, it becomes more dull. Okay? I mean, the, the weird thing is I, you cut cheese with it. How does cheese dull a knife? I don't know. Okay? But you, you know, cut the cheese and every time you do, the knife gets a little more dull. Okay? Whatever, bread, whatever it is you cut. Obviously, what this thing is cutting, it's sharper than that thing, how, but it's something that's duller than it dulls it. Are you with me? The only way that this thing could become sharp again is as if I take it, a metal out of its same strength or stronger and begin to create friction. Okay? That is the only way this thing becomes sharp. Okay? Not just when it's in relationship, oh yeah, we come to church together, you know, whatever it is, okay? But it's when they begin to be in a friendship together. See, friendships challenge us in who we are. They create friction in our lives. Why would the Bible say, don't forsake the gathering of the saints together? Why would it say that? Because here's you out in the world doing whatever, Okay? Now, here's the reality. If, you, if, if you're living carnal throughout the week and you come to church, fantastic, you're in a relationship, guess what? Nothing's happening. And then you go out and you get more dull and more dull and more dull because the only way you can get sharper is if you come in contact with something that's just as strong or stronger than you. You with me? Okay? This is the analogy that the Bible gives as a matter of fact, if you really look at the analogy the Bible gives, it actually, the, 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 the picture that's painted when you study out that scripture, as iron sharpens iron, is one of, uh, of what are they called, the, 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 when they smack the, they heat up the metal and they smack it. Iron something, iron smith or whatever, smith, okay? Blacksmith, yeah, smith, I knew his name was smith either way, okay? The picture that's actually painted is, is this metal being heated up and then smacked with another metal that's stronger than it. Think about that. As that takes place, this is what the Bible's saying, that's how you become a sharper individual. That's how you get shapened. So if all of we do is we surround ourselves with a bunch of other, you know, people, but we're just in relationship, we're not getting any sharper. Why? Oh, they make us feel good. Oh, it's okay. You blew it. Don't worry about it. Not a big deal. Life's good. Let's go party again. Okay, whatever. All right? But man, the only way that I can become the person that God intends me to be, a spiritually minded person, is as I come in contact with somebody stronger or just as strong as the metal that I am. Okay? Are you with me tonight? Okay? So we cannot just surround ourselves with relationships, people that make us feel good. We've got to surround. If you really want to go to the place that God intended, listen, this principle tonight, man, the world understands it better than we do. Because if a business person wants to go to the next level, what do they do? They go get mentors that are at that next level that can take them to where they want to be. But somehow this carnal mindset has crept into the church where we just want to, we just want to feel good about ourselves. And now being, you know, being in a position in the church is all about us. Or, or are you with me tonight? Okay? We've got to surround ourselves with people that challenge us and cause us 
to become better. This, this, this journey was not meant for you to live. The Christian journey was not meant for you to walk alone. That's why right in the beginning of Genesis, when God looked at Adam, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. He gave him a woman. When, the Jesus, when Jesus sent the disciples out, what did he do? He sent them two by two. Okay? I think he, I think he knows something that maybe, maybe we, we don't. How is this carnal Christianity crept in the church because we surround ourselves with relationships? It happens at, at, at the church level as pastors. When we surround ourselves with people that are called, you ever heard this term, yes men? When we surround ourselves with people that just agree with every idea we have, never throw, show the other side, they're just like, man, go for it, that's awesome, that's great. Okay? That's a scary place to be. Okay? That's a scary place to be as a Christ follower. Man, we need to make sure. Here's what happens. If we try, because I talk to people all the time, I'm sure you talk to them too. We talk to people, like, hey, you should come to church. I don't need church. I got my Bible and God, that's all I need. Really? Where do you see that in the Bible? <laughs> what happens is, is all of a sudden then, all the interpretation of all these scriptures is left out to me, me, myself, and I. The way I see it, it's the way it is, and that's the way I'm going to live my life out. And at least to death. <laughs> why we need friends, not relationships. Let's do this real quickly. Number one, why we need friends and not relationships. Number one, friends love us, they don't shove us. You like that? I was trying to think of something that would rhyme. Friends, love. Took me a little while. Don't shove. What do I mean by that? Friends love, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. When Jesus walked this earth, he loved people so much. But here's the thing. He might have hung out with the sinners, but he didn't act like the sinners, Okay? He's the way, the truth, the life. His love compelled him to live differently, to set himself apart so that they would have someone or something to follow. Okay? Love is not me doing everything that my friends want to do all the time. I'll be the designated driver every weekend. Let's just go. I want to make sure you're safe. That's love. Okay? Love is me saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't need to go that route. I can do this, and this is a lot more fun. Okay? Love is sometimes saying, no. It's love, okay? Friends love. They, they love us into the kingdom of God. They, 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 they get in the way. Love causes you to get in the way sometimes. When people are making, okay, what they don't do is they don't shove. What do I mean by that? They don't shove you into an image. They don't shove you into situations that, 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 that cause you to, to, to uh, uh, go beyond your convictions or your morals, okay? Have you ever been there before? When your friends put you in a situation that you don't feel comfortable being in, if you're really their friend, they already know your convictions and they would never put you in that situation. Okay? Now we, we love people. Okay? And we love people into the kingdom of God. Okay? We don't want to compromise our morals. I, I remember I was in college. And uh, when I was in college, I played, I, I played basketball. And I was the only Christian on the team. Okay? And, man, they... They knew I was a Christian, okay? And when I did something out of character, they were quick to get on me and say, hold on a second, okay? Because see, in the Christian world, that's the way it needs to be. When we see something out of character, hold on. That doesn't look quite right. That, there's something about that that's not, okay? But man, these, were, these, these friends of mine weren't even saved, but good friends, 
they notice when you're out of character. And I remember I was playing basketball, and, and my, I got mad out of one practice, and I walked out, and I, and I didn't say this this morning, but I'll, I'll add this to it, because this is what really happened. And coach was really ticking us off, okay? And I walked out, and I cussed. That's right, your pastor cussed, okay? I don't remember what exactly I said. I remember I cussed. But when I cussed, I just banged this window, and pff, the window broke. Yeah, $400 later, that was awesome. Tagged that under my tuition. I was so mad, I was like, boop! And, and everybody, literally the whole hallway got quiet. And the whole basketball team looks at me, and they're staring at me. And I turn around, they're staring at me, I'm like... And they didn't care about the window, they're like, dude, don't do that. And I, I know the window, they're like, no, you don't cuss. I was like, yeah, I don't, do I? <laughs> right. They're like, don't ever do that again. That's just not you. It just sounded dumb. <laughs> just, you know it's bad when you can't even cuss right. You know what I mean? Like, you can't even make cussing sound cool, you know? <laughs> I remember that. Okay? We got to have so much love for people that we don't, we, don't, we don't put people in compromising situations. Write this one down. We won't read it, but write this one down. 1 Corinthians 10, 23-24. Paul said this. Paul said, look, man, there's a lot of things that are lawful for me to do. Like, I can do them. They're not a sin. They're totally biblical. But you know what? I'm going to choose not to do them because someone else might not understand and they might take it to a different level, which is sin for them. And then they're in sin and it's my fault. So because of love, I'm not going to do that thing. Okay? What's Luke 9.23 say? You've got to deny yourself. Sometimes denying yourself. Here's the thing. You, oh, God help me. Here's the thing. Is we are still so carnally minded as Christians if the only thing we think about denying ourselves is sins. Can I touch on this for a minute? Here's the problem. We are carnally minded. When we think about, our, uh, when we think about that verse, Luke 9, 23, deny yourself, yes, I'm not going to sleep around. I'm not going to get, like, stoned. Okay? I'm not going to get belligerently drunk and, you know, stumble down the middle of the street. I'm not going to look at pornography. Okay? I'm going to deny myself those things. That's just basic Christianity. Can I be honest with you tonight? If that's what you think about, when you read that verse, deny, yes, I'm going to deny myself all those things. So hard. We are so carnal. We've got to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Because Paul says this is not about denying. Man, that is level one. That's just like you shouldn't be doing that even if you're not a Christian. Honestly. That's just like you don't, ju- you don't do that. Okay? What Paul's talking about, he's saying this. You've got to deny yourself even pleasures that are okay. Sometimes. In order for the gospel to be preached. Are you with me tonight? That's what he's talking about. See, we're so carnally minded that we still think, you know, oh yeah, I won't sin today. Okay? We've, we've, got, to, we've got to understand 
what's taking place. That was just a side note. Number two, we need friends, not relationships. Number two, because friends are inclusive, not exclusive. What do I mean by that? Friends are inclusive, not exclusive. I learned this a long, long time ago, okay? You can always tell when a relationship or a friendship is not a good one if all of a sudden, here they are, and they're coming to church, and they're, you know, we're friends, and we're hanging out, and then, you know, they get a job, and they're working this job, and, and all of a sudden, man, they start hanging out with all their friends from work all the time, and not that there's anything wrong with that, okay, but hear what I'm about to say. Okay, and they're hanging out with their friends all the time, and they come to church, oh, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Didn't see you, I thought we were going to hang out. Oh, I was hanging out with my friends from work. Oh, what did you do? Oh, we just, you know, just went and hung out. And then weeks go by, Okay? The reason they're not including you in that group is because they're not as sharp as they want you to think they are. Because they can come here and they could be like super Christian. Did you see me set up the chairs today? It was awesome. <laughs> okay. And then, you know, out, you know, and then, you know, whatever, Friday, Saturday night, they were totally just, you know, doing whatever. Okay. There's a reason. Be leery of that because 99.99999% of the time, there's probably usually some activity going on that they don't want their spiritually minded people to see. Because if they saw it, then they would challenge them in it, and then they would know they're wrong, and then they know they'd have to change. Friends are inclusive. Man. Look, hey, why don't you come hang out? I'm going with some friends to dinner uh, that I just met, you know, from, from, uh, from work. You want to come with me and hang out with them? Okay? If nothing else, just to keep me accountable. <laughs> okay? They include. They don't exclude. We've, listen, once again, you cannot, you cannot live this spiritual journey on your own. To be spiritually minded, you can't do it on your own. You'll, you'll end up in carn- carnality. Okay? Luke 6, 39 says this. How can the blind lead the blind? Let me put it this way. You might not know this, okay, but we all have blind spots. What are blind spots? How many of you guys ever driven a car? Okay. One of you? Okay, I'll talk to you. Some cars have more blind spots than others, okay? The blind spot as you're driving is that when you go to check your blind spot because the mirror doesn't see it, you know, and then even then there's still maybe some spots you can't see, right? Okay. It's a blind spot because you can't see it. We have those in our lives. I know you're probably just like me when you wake up in the morning and you're brushing your teeth looking like, I am the best individual in the world. I'm awesome. I'm amazing. Look at those pearly whites, you know? Okay. But you know what? You have blind spots. You really do. Okay? And that's why Christ puts us around other spiritually minded people. Because they're there to be like, hello, yeah, you got this in your life. I do. Yeah. Maybe you can let me help you through that. It's a blind spot. Okay? And the only way that you're going to overcome those blind spots is if you let people in and allow people to help you out. Okay? You've got to include people in your journey. Lastly, let's finish here. Number three, why we need friends, not relationships. Number three, friends stab you in the front, not in the back. Hmm. See if I can find a fun one. Here we go. It's a bad looking one. 
Name that movie. Friends stab you in the front, not in the back. The Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful, okay? What, am I, what do I mean by friends stab you in the front? A friend, maybe they hung out with you over the weekend and you blew it. A relationship would do this. Oh my gosh, did you see what so-and-so did? Did you see Katie the other night? Oh my word. It was horrible. She can't even dance, but did you see her out there? You know, whatever, you know. She was totally blitzed, you know. And all of a sudden, everybody knows, you know, and they're sitting around like, oh, there she is, you know. Okay? What is that? That's somebody stabbing you in the back. Okay? A friend does this. Hey, Katie, what? You know? Okay? They pull out the knife in front of you. Say, hey, this is going to hurt, but I'm going to stab you. What are you going to... What were you doing last night? Why were you doing that? Okay? Friends confront issues in people's lives. Why? Because friends don't just accept you the way they are, they challenge you in who you are. And we need to surround ourselves with friends because let me tell you something. If you have, here's the thing, relationships, oh, they love me for who I am and they accept me for who I am and it feels so good, but little do you know that they're all talking about you behind your back all the time. (laughs) Where a friend will come and say, look, hey, here's your blind spot. Okay? Here it is. I'm just going to give it to you straight. Okay? Friends do not go around, and here's the other thing, friends don't do this. Friends do not go around, you know, when they blow it and paint a picture about somebody else, this person, my God, to cover up their issues. Hmm. I'm sure none of you have ever been there before, but in case you ever get to that place, remember this message. Friends stab you from the front. Okay. God, look, look at this verse with me. James. We'll finish here. James. There's like so many fans going up here. It's like a whirlwind. James. James 5.16 says this. It says, Confess your sins to one another so that you can be healed. I hate that verse. It's one thing to, 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 to kneel down by your bed and say, God, I blew it! Forgive me! But James says, you really want to be healed? Good, I'm glad you asked for forgiveness here. Now why don't you go over to your accountability partner. Oh, I need one of those? Yeah, that would be your friend. <laughs> And tell them what you did. But, 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 but what are they going to think? And what are they going to say? And, oh my God. Yeah. Why does the Bible say that? Once again, because God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows that you'll come and confess it to Him and then go do the same thing again tomorrow. Can we be honest? If there is habitual, repetitive sin in your life, Obviously, confessing it to God isn't enough. So he says in his word, hey, confess your sins to one another so that you can really truly be healed. 
and restored. Why? Because when you tell somebody else that's in the flesh, that's walking on the same planet with you, they can see your blind spot and they can say, Hey, I I thought we talked about this. You don't want to go down that road anymore. Okay? And therefore, man, you get healed. The wages of sin is death. We have got to get to a place, ladies and gentlemen, in church where we are not afraid. Now listen to me. When I say, there's a reason why it says, you know, there's a reason why I said, you know, they stab you in the front, okay? Aren't you glad I didn't say they like machine gun you in the front? So there's nothing worse than, you know, somebody repetitively pointing out your issues. And all of them at the same time. You know? Talk about painful. You don't even have time to recover from one. They're getting you with another one. You know what I'm saying? Okay? You better be like Wonder Woman and you like get the little... Yeah, you know she had little bracelets? Okay? She was fast, too. Her outfit was ungodly, though. Okay? Okay? They stab you, and there's this... Okay, now let's let that one heal. Just when that one's about to heal, you know? Let that one heal, okay? But we've got to get to the place, or else we're going to continue to be calling them out, where we can confront one another. We can point out each other's blind spots. We can help each other grow in Jesus Christ. We cannot be so worried about, I don't want to offend them. Now listen to me. You don't want to offend them? What does the Bible say? The wages of their activity is death. What are you going to do? Love them to hell? I love them the whole entire time they're on earth. I mean, it's no different than if someone had a gun and they're about to shoot themselves. What would you do? Oh, I love you. No, you're going to get that thing out of their hand. The wages of their activity leads to death. We've got to love them out of hell, not love them on their way to hell. And love will step in the way and say, hey, that's wrong. You've got to stop it. See, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Now, I'll I'll finish right here, I promise. I may be lying again. I shouldn't say those things. Okay, I'm going to try to finish here. Here's the thing. I know for me that I would not be saved today had I not had friends in my life. And sometimes friends, ladies and gentlemen, aren't the people that you click with the best. Sometimes friends are the people you don't click with the best. Why are they always rubbing me? Wrong way. Because they're trying to sharpen you. Okay? They're trying to shape you. Okay? And I have one friend, man, if he did not get in my business, I would have, I would have screwed up more than I already screwed up. <laughs> And his name was Kurt Anderson. And as soon as he found out that me and my wife were engaged, and he found out how long our engagement was, don't do this. We had an 11-month engagement. That was so hard, to be honest with you. Dear God, don't do that. Like 11 weeks and then just getting married, okay? As soon as he found out, he's like, hey, who's your accountability partner? I'm like, account of what? Accountability partner. Who are you, who you, who you talking with? My future wife? Yeah, it ain't going to work. Why? Because you guys might end up blowing it. And then you're going to talk to her about how you blew it, and you're going to end up blowing it while you're talking about it, you know? Okay? <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, too. Let's hug. Let's kiss and pick up. Anyway, okay. You all know what I'm talking about, okay? And so he got in my business, man. He said, no, I'm going to be that person. I'm like, okay, cool. What does that mean? You know, it means that anytime you screw up, you come talk to me. Okay. (laughs) One thing I've noticed is this, is we're the last people that want to confess our own faults. 
Are you with me? I mean, who wants to? I blew it. Hey, guess what? Blew it again. Okay? We, we don't like to do that, okay? And so here's what happens is, I mean, you've got to have a kid. So I would go to church, and literally I'd see him on Sunday and, and Wednesday, and, and we'd play basketball together on the weekends. I'd see him like three times a week. And so, you know, the first couple of times I was just like, oh, yeah, oh, sure, I'll, I'll let you know if I mess up, you know. And so I remember, man, walking up to church, and he beelined out to me and said, hey, how you doing? I'm like, good. How good? I'm, I'm doing great. Why? How are you and Katie doing? Oh, we're getting married, you know. <laughs> yeah, but how are you doing? I, I, good. I, we hung out last night. How late? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> What did you guys do? We talked a lot. And he would ask, well, where'd your hands go? Uh, home with me? Uh, you, know, <laughs> I, you know? He would like go down the list of things and talk about you know, all these things. And it was just like, it put the fear of God in me. To where, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I lied to him a couple times. <laughs> but he knew when I was lying. And he would, now I'm only, not only I'm pure, I'm a liar. Going to hell. Okay? challenged me. He wouldn't let me, okay? I mean, honestly, here's what, here's, as, as Christians, here's what we got to learn to do, okay? Because no one is just going to come up and just like, here's all my stuff. Okay? We've got to learn to burp people. Okay, now, if you haven't had a baby, I'm sorry. If you haven't had a baby yet, one day when you do, or maybe, you know, whatever, you take care of, you know, it's one of those little, like, Oh, doesn't that feel good? I knew that was in there. I could tell, you know. Are you with me? I'm sorry. But you know, that, that, that's what I'm talking That's love, okay? And no one's just going to lose everything. You just got to learn to just be like, hey, come here, let's talk about it. Okay, can I be honest with you? Because even your closest friends, they're lying to you. So we've got to learn this technique right here. Oh, really? What did you do after that? Uh, oh, there it is. Yeah. Okay. Listen. It's painful at the time. But man, they feel so much better. They feel so much better. This is the way that God established it. And we've got to get back to it. We've got to get to a place where we love each other enough to call each other up. Stop, you're going to make me laugh. Sorry. We're family here. We've got to get to the place where we love each other enough to where we can confront each other in love. Baby, you're blowing the whole sermon right now. I love you and so I'm telling you. We've got to get to that place where we love each other enough to where, man, we can say, look, I love you enough. Now, listen, this isn't going to be everybody in your life, okay? Don't get me wrong. You don't want, like, 400 people at church to be like, hey, okay? But you surround yourself with those people. And it'll push you on. As a pastor, I have to surround myself with those people. And I'm a competitive person. And so when someone challenges me, I hate it. To be honest, I hate it. My, my first reaction is this. Oh, yeah, well, you. <laughs> it's not a good time to point out their blind spots, okay? Because okay. we need to do it in love, okay? We've got to learn to stab people in the front, not in the back.
Are you with me tonight? We've got that. If you want to grow spiritually, if you want to make sure that you're not carnally minded, you better get these people around you. And you better know who they are in your life because they'll keep you running after Jesus Christ. They'll keep you running after the dream that God has for you. There are too many people in the kingdom of God. There are too many people that are not walking in the thing that God, in, in church, in pulpits, that are not walking in the destiny and the dream that God has for them because they have not put these people in their life. Somehow, carnality has crept in and it's become all about them. But I want Urban to be a place, a community, where we can come and love on each other, yes, challenge each other, because that's what love does, and grow together towards Jesus Christ and see His kingdom come and His will be done right here. God, we thank You for Your Word tonight. God, we thank You that Your Word is challenging. God, we thank You that Your Word is challenging all by itself. God, that's why Your Word says that, God, Your Word is like a double-edged sword. God, it comes, Lord God, and it cuts through our soul and our spirit. God, it divides between carnality and spirituality. And Lord, tonight it's our desire to grow in you. God, it's our desire. Just close your eyes for a minute. Just think about your own life as we close tonight. Honestly, I don't know how to do an altar call for this, so I'm just going to say this. I want you to think right now, who are those people in your life? If you're married, one of them better be your wife or your husband. You talk about having an accountability partner. You talk about having someone in your life. Man, make sure your wife, your husband's one of them. Because nothing will scare the hell out of you more. I'm scared to have impure thoughts. I'm scared to have lustful thoughts. Because my wife is my, what am I going to do, baby, by the way? Oh, yeah, we've done it before. We've been there before. Talk about painful. Surround yourself. Now, listen to me as your eyes are closed. You've got to surround yourself with people that are sharper than you. You've got to find some believers that are a little bit further down the road than you are. That's why church is so essential. That's why we, we believe in getting involved in a community group. That's why we believe in those things. Why? Because those things will help. Why? Because you're around people that are further down the road, that are a little bit sharper. And as you begin to build a friendship with them, as you begin to rub shoulders with them, they're going to make you stronger. They're going to make you, make you the person that God intends you to be. It's time. Who are those people in your life? Lord, I pray right now for every person in this place. God, if they don't have that person, I pray they would find that person. I pray they would get that person in their life. Lord, right now, Lord, I pray. God, for those that are here tonight, and God, as they're looking at their own life, and yet there's, there's issues, and there's impurities, and there's imperfections. Lord, I pray tonight would be a night we bring them to you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we lay it at your feet, because you're a good God, and you've got good things in store for us.